Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've just then written, Paul is being Paul, exclamation mark. And I won't say what I wrote after it, frankly. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Bake Down Podcast. My name's Sarah. I will be hosting today. And with me, as usual, we have the lovely Dan Beasley, Harling, Howard Middleton and Jane Beadle. So this week was Mexican week, the first of the international weeks that we often see in the Bake Off tent. We've had Danish week, we've had German week, we've had all sorts of different weeks. We basically have French week every week with patisserie, but this week was Mexican. So Jane, I'm going to come to you straight away because bread week last week was not a favourite of yours. Do you approve of Mexican week? Well, to be honest, I quite liked Mexican week. Um... I thought the first challenge belonged in Bread Week, to be honest, more than some of the stuff that belonged in Bread Week. I thought that it was very much a bread challenge. I quite liked it. It was interesting. I'd not come across either the bake from Signature or the one in the Showstopper. Obviously, most of us have come across tacos. Um, So I quite liked it. Yeah, I I liked it certainly better than the challenges in Bread Week. But I I do think they got their challenges, as I said, muddled up and and the the signature should have perhaps been in Bread Week. But there we go. That's just a quibble. No, I quite liked it this week, except for Paul, who I thought was intolerable this week because he'd just been to Mexico. Oh my God, he was so slow all the way through it. I I can't. She's dying early. I (laughs) am. I can't even tell you some of the adjectives that I've written down because it's not for a daytime, um, it's not for the watershed, frankly, because I just thought he was, I just thought he was appalling this week. But there we go. That's, as as for the challenge, Mexican week, I thought was interesting. Lovely. Well, we'll keep the Paul insults to a minimum. We'll, we'll pepper them through as, as we go through the podcast. Dan, what about you? Mexican week, something you would have liked to have taken part in? Yeah, possibly. I thought it was um thought it was really uh, interesting set of challenges. 
when they first said Mexican week, I thought, oh God, what is all going to be savoury? Surely, I it didn't instantly think of any 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 sweet foods that they were particularly famous for. Of course, the first one was the pan dulce. I, I didn't realise that was Mexican. I've been correcting people that it was pan dulce for years, and I learned something today. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's obviously Spanish, not Italian. It's, yeah, pan dulce. I know what they are, and um, of course, we tend to do a class along with the Bake Off, and I'm going to be doing this one for Mexican Week. I have to say, last year I did Bread Week, and just was going to be really pleased not to do anything except Bread Week because you have to work around those proving times, only to be met with Mexican Week where we will be making yeasted bread. <laughs> so uh, we will be making. <laughs> I will be making the pan concha uh, for the class this weekend. We'll get onto that very. Shortly. But yes, overall, very excited for Mexican week and excited for all of those um, sort of South American colours and flavours. So, yeah, I was really looking forward to it, but quite excited straight away. Well, let's kick off with our signature challenge. We had a pan dulce and we had, I think, four different types. We had a concha, which was that lovely bread with the crackle on top. We had Abdul's little besos with the little kissing breads, which were really sweet. Um, we had Carol with her pan de anise, which is, as it sounds, bread with anise. And then Kevin's lovely borrachitos the little drunkards. So, Howard, which of these really stood out for you as being one of your favourite breads? Do you know, I thought, I thought Kevin's, actually, the Borachitos, I, I thought they looked lovely. And I didn't even have a good week up until, I suppose, uh, the showstopper. I thought he was he was on a roll. I thought he'd really, really come from behind and... Uh, done incredibly well. I must admit, I'm going to get my hump out of the way to begin with. Kevin did say at the beginning, what do Mexicans bake? And Janusz also said that his knowledge of Mexican food stops at fajitas, which I thought, oh, come on, you've had the brief. You you would have looked up what Mexicans bake, wouldn't you? Otherwise, you wouldn't have anything for the signature and the showstopper. So that was ju- that was just my little grump. But yeah, I thought I thought Kevin did really really well this week. So um, bit of a dark horse, I thought. Did you yes. think those barachitos? I love that word. Actually, mm. it's easy, isn't it? Barachito. Um is uh, looked a bit like rum barbars because he soaked yeah. them in a in a syrup in the same way and they were almost barbar shaped weren't they i thought they looked like little rum barbars i lo- i really liked them too howard i thought mm. they were i think they were one of my favorites i think they did look really good and i believe prue said 10 minutes more proving and they would have been Perfect. So a really, really good start for Kevin there. Don't, don't talk to me about proving. They gave them two <laughs> and a half hours. Ten minutes more proving. They probably needed another hour on this challenge. How can they possibly give them two and a half hours and then say they needed more proving? If you want something that's light and fluffy and well risen, give them another half an hour for goodness sake. I just... More proving, more proving, dense but delicious, needed more proving. I mean, I think that comment went all the way through and you've given them two and a half hours. I just, there's, there's setting them a difficult challenge and then there's making it impossible. I just, yes, I'm not, I'm going to ignore all the proving things because then it's an enriched <laughs> dough. I think Paul said at the beginning, it's an enriched dough, so it takes longer to prove anyway. And then you give them two and a half hours. I just... 
please. Definitely feels like setting them up for a bit of a fall there. Oh, absolutely. It does seem like it was a bit of a challenge with the proving times. For the class this weekend, I'm going to be taking tips from Jane. And not only will I be boosting up the yeast, but I'll also be doing a little bit of a, an accelerated prove using the oven. And I think that's the only way we're going to get it done south of three hours. So thank you for that, Jane. I had to drop her notes for tips. Or rather, she had to drop me notes for tips. Sorry, the other way around. The ones that I were, was impressed by, actually, just for the decoration and just for the sheer ingenuity of it all, was I rather liked James's. Uh, where he had the sort of caramel oyster shells, um, which I thought it's just the kind of thing that I would never think to do. And I just thought they were really fun. Um, I don't know if they were particularly practical to eat, but, you know, for a show like Bake Off, where we want to see something a little bit inventive and a little bit exciting, I thought they hit the brief really nicely. Yeah, it was just a shame they said, uh, I think they said there wasn't much flavour and it needed a filling. Um, I think that any sort of sweet bread is better with a filling, you know. I mean, that's just me. You need a, a top, some sort of creamy sweet topping or some kind of filling. So uh, that was a bit of a shame for him, but I thought they looked absolutely wonderful. And um, the other ones that I really liked um, were Maxie's. Maxie is always delivering on the presentation front, and I thought she did an absolutely wonderful job there. And they were sort of very even and large. Um, so I think she did She did a really, really good job there. Um, and the one that the person I did feel sorry for, we touched on Kevin, was, uh, yeah, they said they needed 10 more minutes, but everything else seemed really good. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Kevin was probably very disappointed. I mean, he was sort of joking about not getting a handshake, but I think he was probably fairly disappointed. You know, we sort of, whenever we go on Bake Off, I think all of us are trying to pick up some kind of accolade. You know, it would be lovely to win. It would be lovely to win Star Baker. It would be lovely to get a handshake or be first in the technical. And I think it's a shame that he, that he didn't get a handshake. I think I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Paul was maybe a little bit stingy there. I think he was a bit stingy. I think if I was Paul, maybe I would have given him a handshake. I don't know. What do you think? I think if you were Paul, I probably wouldn't want to spend my mornings or evenings with you, Dan, frankly, because you're much nicer to talk to. <laughs> Howard, would you have any handshakes if you were judging these buns? If I was in charge of... Yeah, I, I wanted to cheer Kevin up a bit. It just pulls some incredible expressions with his face. I'm, I'm sort of so focused on him now. I thought it was interesting as well with, with Janusz, that Janusz said about he was um, using... What was what yeast was he using? Some uh, Time-saving yes. yeast. Yes! What is time-saving Well, apparently, I, I looked it up, and apparently it's just, like, yeast that you put more in, which we can all do that. It's... <laughs> so there's, okay, so there's a few different types of dried yeast. There's active dry yeast, which needs waking up first, and then there's instant yeast that you can just chuck in from the start. And then I was alerted to something called osmotolerant yeast, which oh. apparently, like adding the sugar to the dough can inhibit the yeast because it just sort of overwhelms it and also draws a lot of the moisture away from it. So the osmotolerant yeast apparently does a better job when the doughs are sweetened. So I wondered if that's what he meant. Um, but to be honest, I've sort of tested um, some of these yeasts side by side, and I'm not sure they make that much difference. It's definitely a bit more expensive but I don't know if it's actually any better. Um, I couldn't tell you. But, yeah, it's um, I, I, time-saving yeast. Uh, was that his terminology? Yeah, or is that, is yeah. that, does, that, does someone sell time-saving they yeast? They do, yes. It is. Go on, yeah. pull it up for us, Howard. What is it? I think it's Allinson's time-saving is yeast. It? Yeah. Um, but all it is is it comes in sachets 
which have got more in that you would than you would normally use. Uh, so basically, if you just get a, a packet of yeast and put a bit more in, you're doing the same thing, which is what we all do, isn't it? If we're trying to beat the clock. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I don't know. And actually, I find it's the butter that you add to an enriched dough that inhibits the the growth and the yeast. I find the sugar because if sometimes if I'm in a hurry, even my instant yeast, I will mix that with my liquid and some sugar to get it all frothing and and very excited at the start before I add it to my bread. So I don't know what this time-saving yeast was, but they certainly needed it with terrible. Yeah. Well, you you give me a bit of sugar and I'll get frothy and excited as well. <laughs> <laughs> who was it who used plain flour instead of bread flour? Janusz. Oh, yeah, it was Janusz, wasn't it? Mm. Well, I wish he hadn't admitted to it because I'm sure Paul wouldn't have really noticed a difference. No, exactly. You know, I mean, sometimes if I'm doing a a, a, a cakey bread, what's the, that thing that I make all the time with the chocolate bread with the twist and the babka? That's one. I'll mix a plain flour and a bread flour together for that. And I very often mix the two together for a soda bread as well. It just gives a slightly different texture. But I think I've written less pan dulce, more cake, I think is what he called it. And I've just then written, Paul is being Paul, exclamation mark. And I won't say what I wrote after it, frankly. Yes. <laughs> um, I, think I do sometimes feel he's being argumentative for the sake of it. I don't agree. You? I, think, I think it's, I, I, I just think, you know, because he said it was going to cause a problem. So whether it caused a problem or not, he was going to say it caused a problem. I, I it looks like the prediction Paul made came true in his own judging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do think he was right on one thing. I'm going to give. Oh, I'm going to give him credit now. Are you going to defend Paul? No, are you? I'm not this is a bold him, move. But, but <laughs> I, I could see what what he meant with Shabir. I think was sponsored by a corn manufacturer this week, wasn't she? I think she was. Was. <laughs> like, Shabira, Green Giant. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, but I think the idea of, of putting in that custard afterwards rather than baking it was, I think Paul had a point there. I think it probably would have, yeah. I would agree, absolutely, yeah. I would have put my custard in, I'll put, put it in like you fill jam into a donut, I think, rather than mm. bake it. But, oh, I'm not saying he's wrong all the time. I just thought he's a bit irritating at <laughs> You were not feeling him today. I get it, Jane, I get it. Yeah, he wasn't. And Howard, that was something that uh, Dawn did as well, uh, filling, I believe she actually filled her conches with her ganache before the second prove as well. Is Do you think that's a mistake? I, I think, do you know, ganache probably couldn't can stand it a little bit more than, than custard, but um, I think there was a bit of a problem there with, with leakage, wasn't there? It was spoiling mm. the look of the roll, really. Do you know, it's one of those things where... Like, it would never have occurred to me to have put in anything before the bake. No. I just uh, That would never occur to me. So I don't know why people did it. I don't know. Uh, is that part of traditional pandolce? Let me pronounce it correctly. Um, do they do that traditionally? Um, because it would never have occurred to me to do that. As Jane said, I'd bake the bread and then I'd put a donut in it. You know, like you'd fill it like a donut. You'd uh, then... Then, then pop it in afterwards. So I don't know why anyone did it before. I would have worried about that the heat would have done something awful to the ganache. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked any of these recipes up. I, I'd never heard pandolce. So, and you know, 
conchas. I haven't heard. I, I did look up the pictures and they look, they do look lovely. And I think mm. overall, the bakers did a lovely job as far as looks were concerned. I thought there were some spectacular looking ones. I, and, you know, as much as I really didn't fancy all that corn, Sibira's looked lovely, didn't they? What a nice idea yeah. they were. And mm. the cracklan, I've never thought to put a cracklan and score it so that it breaks open as in a design. I've ne- I would never have thought to do that. And I can't wait to try it. So I think the challenge was lovely. Just there were issues along the way, I thought, um, with timing and, as Dan said, putting the filling in before they were baked, I think gave them all sorts of problems with the rise. So if you've got a dense filling in the middle of some dough, what happens to that dough at the bottom? It's got a dense filling on top of it. It's not going to want to rise up. And I would think you might have a the risk of also having voids of air in there, maybe. I don't know. So I, I'm with Dan there and, and Howard, actually. I would have probably piped in a filling at the end. Well, these are the things that we are going to be tackling with Dan's mystery class. And as we've said, we're going to be doing the lovely Mexican sweetbreads in Dan's mystery class. And this time... These classes have been so incredibly popular that we are running two classes with Dan, not just one. So you guys have been absolutely amazing signing up for all these classes. We cannot contain you all in one class, so we are splitting you over two classes. And we're going to be doing those on Saturday the 8th of October and then Sunday the 9th. Dan, Mm. a lot of pressure here. Two classes. How do you feel? I feel, you know, wonderful because I can see everyone groaning up. And all of my wonderful jokes, um, I have that well to look forward to. When there are less of you, I can see your faces even more closely as you roll your eyes so hard you're about to detach your retinas. No, I'm very excited for that. Um, <laughs> and what I'm going to do for this, I'm going to do like a pan concha, and I'm going to do one that's kind of inspired by an apple crumble. So we're going to have a, a cinnamon in there, and we're going to pipe into it um, a cooked down apple sauce with a little bit of texture still, and then a custard in afterwards. And hopefully <laughs> it will... It will, it will sort of like a bit like an apple crumble. So it's going to be sort of a little bit crunchy on top and um, have a little bit of texture and you get a nice hit of apple and custard. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to those. Rather delicious if I do say so myself. That nice. sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah. And if you are signed up, we will see you there. Right. So we move on to our. I've completely forgotten what it's called. Technical. Technical. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Also, the second one. <laughs> so we will now move on to our technical challenge. Eight Mexican tortillas piled high with delicious toppings, including steak, guacamole, pico de gallo, refried beans, and beautiful cheese and coriander and all the lovely taco flavors. We spoke last week that maybe panoraisan was not the best technical challenge for bread week. Do we think, even though this is very Mexican, it was particularly a good technical challenge? Howard, what do you think? Mm, not really. <laughs> no, rubbish. Thumbs down. It was. We we talked about this last week. It's it's basically a sandwich again, isn't it? I know it's flat, but it is. It, it, there was so much time spent on the kind of fillings rather than the actual 
bit of baking. I mean, it, it literally was two minutes each side, wasn't it, I think? And that's that's all that needs doing. So, uh, and they made it more difficult by making them um, press them under a, <laughs> under a sort of casserole dish or something. Why? I don't, I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was a, a strange technical, to be honest. I thought it was a little strange that right at the beginning, Paul said to not overfill these tacos, and then he squashed the filling down to wrap it round so then he could get it in his mouth. It was a seemed a little hypocritical. Dan, what do you think? Uh, I actually do make my own uh, tortillas, as Shibira says. I think that is tortilla. I'm pretty sure I'm right about the pronunciation of that one. I think it is tortilla. And I have a tortilla press at home, and that is the only way to make them. And even with a bit of leverage built into it, or I don't know the technical term, even with all your weight on it and a bit of mechanical assistance, it's still pretty hard to press them you know, flat enough. So I'm not surprised that a lot of them were, were way too thick. And I don't really know what the technical aspect of it was other than pressing them. Like the only technical part of the... Just look. Okay, this is where Jane and I are going to disagree. I don't know. And I'm not 100% sure how it feels. To me, baking and cooking are kind of different. I think like if you're a good baker, you're likely to be a reasonably good cook as well. But it's to me, it's a different, slightly different set of skills. And like cooking steak to well, I don't think that's part of a baking competition. And you can disagree about, yes, it should be a skill you should have anyway. But like, I don't think that's measuring someone's baking ability. And Carol had obviously never seen an avocado before. Um, <laughs> she's peeling it with a knife. <laughs> I don't know why you think I'm going to disagree with you. I I would absolutely agree with you that, you know, making guacamole and frying steak and refrying beans is not part of a baking challenge. Absolutely delicious. And we had to make fillings to go in Yorkshire puddings. But as Mary pointed out, the fillings may be delicious, but if the Yorkshire puddings are rubbish, it's a Yorkshire pudding challenge. And this wasn't really any sort of challenge, no. was it really? I mean, it makes me want to make them. I've never made tortillas before. And do you make it with squished up corn? I've never even considered it, to be perfectly honest. Um, so it made me want to make it. But as a technical, I'm not, I, you know. I mean, it seemed like the most technical thing was how much are you going to stuff in this thing? It was is the thing that they were mainly criticised for, or whether it was too thick. No, I'm, I'm, so I don't disagree with you at all. I agree with you absolutely, Dan. <laughs> also, it all seems a little unfair because so many of the fillings were to do with preference. How spicy yes. do you like your pico de gallo? I know that Sandro was criticised for having too much chilli and too much onion. How chunky do you like your avocado? How well done do you like your steak being done? And mm. especially since none of them were given instructions as for how to do it, it was make the guacamole, make the refried beans. Is it then fair to criticise them if their flavours aren't to the judge's liking? It did seem to be the let's guess how Paul Hollywood likes his tacos challenge. It was slightly <laughs> odd, and I didn't really get it. And I have to say, listen, as much as uh, I'm ready to come after anyone who says, oh, just buy biscuits, don't bother making them. Like, has anyone ever made refried beans? Like, they come in a can for pence. Like, why would you? I wouldn't. I would have no idea how to make them. When I buy them in a can, they're like, uh, they're literally just sort of like a paste with lumps in. Do you know what I mean? So I was looking at the ingredients thinking, wait, how on earth? do you turn them into that i would have had absolutely no idea anyone have any guesses 
No, no, no. Cook it to be honest, and it doesn't make you any worse a baker, not knowing, does it? No, exactly. That goes back to Dan's original point. Was this a baking challenge? No, I don't think it was. Mind you, I could eat one now, I think. Oh, I could. Oh, we all love tacos. I don't always make the tortillas, but when you do, they are a lot more special. And you do make them with masa harina, which is a type of uh, corn-based flour. And interestingly, if you if you ever, we often have um, Americans on our classes who we say corn flour. What me by by corn flour? They call corn starch because we only have one type of corn flour in this country, really, unless you go for the specialist stuff. And I think there are more types of corn flour readily available. I did have someone once trying to make a uh, creme patissiere with masa harina, and that did not work out very well. <laughs> they're, they're like the lumps of corn aren't cooking down, and I'm like, the what now? Um, <laughs> when English people say corn flour, we mean corn starch, Americans. You just have to. I have to be ready for the translation. What is the flour that you use, Dan? Masa harina. No. Oh, I'll, I'll send you a picture. I'll go to the pantry and send you a picture. Thank you. We tend to call it maize flour, don't we, rather than corn flour. The bits in. Anyway. Yeah, it's the yellower. You don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is just about us sharing pantries. <laughs> this is not for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very good conversation to be a part of. I'm very jealous that I can't see your pantry as well, Dan. Well, Carol did not do the best in this challenge coming 10th, having quite thick tortillas, I think quite thick meat as well. She needed smaller pieces of meat and too much chilli. So Carol went all in there and uh, it didn't really pay off. All the way up to Maxie, who I've just written all good. So I think the comments were just universally impressive. I did very much enjoy Dawn's description of making the spices for the meat. Like a mad professor, I'm flinging things into a bowl with gay abandon. And I think that's something I want printed on an apron because isn't that just the way? Is there any other way to do it? I I I just live my entire life with gay abandon. uh, For me, I I don't know any other way to operate in this world. That's a completely different podcast, though. I think (laughs) Dan's gay abandon, absolutely. Just talking about Carol, she fried strips, so everybody else fried the whole piece of steak. So you had lovely pink centres. So she coated the strips completely in the marinade, didn't she? And then fried the strips, which would have given a very different flavour. And mm. I thought I preferred the others because you could control the, the the cook a little bit better on the, the steak. But there we go. What sort of challenge would you guys have liked to have seen in Mexican week for the technical? Would you have liked to have stayed with the sort of churros and fried dough sort of flavours or maybe something with agave in it? Do you know what? I would have loved to have just watched all of them try and roll a burrito because, uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's>, <laughs> there's quite an art to it. Like it would, That would literally be the only challenge, watching them trying to roll one, but there's, there's quite an art to it and it's really easy for it to just all fall everywhere. Yeah. No, I don't know. I said I'm not that well versed on um, Mexican baking. I'm really not. It's just, I, you know, obviously we know churros. Uh, well, I did know that they do the sort of sweetbreads, but that's about all I know. And I'm sure there are plenty of interesting things, but I dare say not all of them can be done uh, in the time or are suitable for the bake-off tent. But they're, you know, even as close as field as Europe, if you get a German cooking book, for example, or a Scandinavian cooking book, you'll find a whole bunch of breads and pastries that you had no idea even existed because they just don't travel. So um, I'm sure there are hidden gems in all countries of the world. 
Yeah, you're probably right. And I don't like, I don't know, I don't know anything about um, Mexican cooking, but something with a caramel because dulce de leche is lovely. So perhaps they could have made their own and then made something to go with it, something delicious with chocolate or go back and repeat churros again because we did that now a year and oh my goodness me I got so burnt with practice with exploding churros but actually it's a really good challenge and I see no reason why they shouldn't repeat it rather than a challenge that really has very little baking or technical Mm. skill in it so it was I thought it was a disappointing technical um, and I'm sure Dan says there are lots of lovely things that we've never heard of. And I think they could have, if Paul had been out in Mexico, as he told us he had been, and appears to be the ex- expert in all things Mexican, I'm sure would have thought he could have come back with something better than a, a taco, frankly. Yeah. I mean, a taco, as we said, a taco is excellent, but it's not really that exciting for a, for a, for a technical in a baking show. No, I agree. Well, you guys have been sending in so many questions for us, which is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Keep sending in your questions. We have a couple of questions here. We have one from Lolo and they say, hello, I'm writing from the Midwest in the States. Just recently discovered this podcast and it is a delight. So thank you very much. I'm interested to know your thoughts on bakers that are running behind, having other bakers help them. I think this is so unfair and I really don't like seeing it. Everyone else has the same amount of time. So when someone asks for help, I think it's highly unfair. It's an unfair advantage. Just this season, Rebs has asked twice for help. And I don't even think she was very polite about it. But the other bakers helped her anyway. Howard, is this a Bake Off tent faux pas? I don't know how much she's gone this week, hasn't she? So maybe that... <laughs> and, yes, maybe if you want why. to stay in, don't, don't ask for help. <laughs> I will just say, in the tent, people offer help all the time when they finish early. It's very common. And I believe uh, Janusz said on Twitter, you know, he offered help first. And in fact... I got offered help several times in the tent, and even though I was running late, I'm a massive control freak, and I was like, no, I don't want any of your help, thank you very much. You know, like, I'll ruin it on my own. Um, But people came over to help me numerous times. John came to help me. Manon came to help me. Like, we all help each other. It is given freely. And the one thing I will say, and maybe this is me being super cynical, that um, people who leave the competition earlier... It's not maybe in um, the interest of the show to make you like them a lot. So sometimes oh. when people aren't pre- aren't presented as favourably and then are early out, so I'm not I'm not saying that they're doing them dirty or anything, but like I'm I'm just sort of I wonder if you know, Rebs is a very pretty and charming girl and she had some lovely ideas and maybe they didn't want you to like her too much. I don't know. I, I sometimes think is it, Jane is shaking her head. Uh, she clearly thinks I'm on the wrong end of the stick. There, well, go on, Jane. Oh, I think this is a bitter baker talking, actually. I don't don't think that's the case at all. I mean, it's entertainment, and I'm sure there's a little bit that goes on in the editing, but I think on the whole, certainly from our experience, they were pretty fair about it. But going back to the original... You were a finalist, Jane. What do you know? Did you go out, Dan? I mean... Bitter. Bitter. But but they do... The way they frame things... I'll talk about it. Like, for example, in week... 
in, I think it was week one, I was running late and Karen was sat in front of me eating a bag of crisps and the public came after her and said, oh, Karen is deliberately isn't helping. She's not offering help, even though she's got nothing to do. What a horrible woman she is. But actually, she'd offered me help already. And I said, no, I don't want help. Thank you. Like, please, please don't touch it. I think sometimes the way they frame things is sort of just for a little bit of drama and not necessarily reflective of reality. Oh, no, well, I would agree with you absolutely. Of, of course it's not, and they've got to edit it in the in the way that they consider to be the best television, and they have hours and hours and hours of film that they have to, to cut out. And they probably thought it was very funny to see Karen eating that packet of crisps and hmm. not realising that all those delightful people that like being horrible on um, social media would actually be just vile about it. So I think it, it was just unfortunate. I don't find, I, I never found that the uh, production company set out to make anybody look bad. I, I really didn't. I think we managed that all on our own. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think I'm not as cynical as you, Dan. Okay. And yes, love productions. You can offer me a part in the new show yeah. because I love, I love you all. There you anyway. go. <laughs> Mysteriously, love productions have not come knocking to ask me to come back for any Christmas specials. I don't but, know why that might be. Dan, there's so many people that haven't been asked back. So the fact that Howard and I have been, it's because <laughs> <laughs> um, you're both nice. <laughs> I think we're all a nice group of people. Oh, present company included, in the tent. And <laughs> it's, it's not a horribly cutthroat, we're going to walk over you in order to win type of show. And I think that's the charm of it. And I would say the majority of us, if not all of us, want to win, but not at the expense of somebody not getting a decoration on top of whatever it is they've got to get out. So if we have time and we've finished and they want help, we're going to help. And I think that is part of the charm of the show. I mean, us helping somebody put a chocolate star on top of a cupcake is not going to make theirs a great bake, but it means that they get finished. And I think the warmth and the comradeship of the bakers in that tent make it the show that it is and I would think it would be a very sad day where we don't help each other in that tent. Yes I would absolutely agree with that and I would just say that you know before judging if you if you finished on time you've basically executed the bake that you've prepared to the best of your ability so you feel like you've done a good job and you've done everything that you can so you're losing nothing by helping someone else and if anyone who is a bit of a control freak like I am, you know that anybody helping you is a sort of a bit of a last resort. It's, you know, I would rather do everything myself. <laughs> thank you very much. You know, it's asking because so, they never do it exactly as you like it, will they? It's like, yeah. have you ever tried to get anyone to load the dishwasher for you? Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's out of desperation asking for help. It's not out of, you know, it's not a calculated choice. So, yeah, I think I give Rebs every break in the world for that. And as, as we said, Janusz has already said on social media that he, he offered. And as a, I sort of think, well, you know, we're, the ba- we're, we're bakers who've been in the tenant. And if we don't mind, maybe you shouldn't mind either. Lovely. So help always help out your fellow bakers is the moral of that story. So thank you very much, Lola, for that question. We have another one here from Melody. A discussion about bicarbonate has brought up a question 
between uh, Melody and her friends. She says, we know you use bicarb plus acid in cakes, but why do we use bicarb in American chocolate chip cookies? What's it reacting with? My friend accidentally left it out of a batch of chocolate chip cookies last week and the cookies were fine. They were the chewy kind, which is what she liked, but not the fluffy kind. So is bicarb required for the fluffy kind? Who would like to start us off? Well, I'll start you off with a big fat, I'm not really sure. Um, so, like, we do have, like, what we would call American-style chocolate chip cookies, where they're kind of, like, soft and gooey, but they're not typically part of our, what should I say, national cuisine. That's not something we that we – they're not an institution in the way that they are in America. I don't know, actually, what they would be reacting with. I think um, sugar can be acidic sometimes, can't it? So it might, it might be sufficient just in that, but I don't really know. Actually, yeah, my recipe has bicarb in. I'm sure it does. Let me just let me just check my notes. I think bicarb. We we tend to use bicarb in cookies or gingerbread or something like that to give it a a bit more of a, a kind of airy quality. So it's not just about using it to raise as you would with baking powder. Bicarb does have a kind of slightly bubbly texture to it as well in a bake. Yeah, I, I'm with that. I don't know really. Um, to be honest, I. I'm not a great bicarb fan. I do push it in, but even in my soda bread, which by you might guess from the name, you should be putting bicarbonate of soda in. I've tweaked the recipe because I don't like the flavour that if you put too much bicarb in, it leaves a nasty aftertaste, mm. I find. So I will use, I use a combination of baking powder and bicarb and an acid in my soda bread. And I, I love my soda bread. So I don't know what the difference is in American cookies. I'm not a huge fan of American flavour cookies or flavour, you know, the, the gooey ones. American like. style, yeah. American style, thank you, Dan. I'm not a great fan of American style cookies. I have got some in the freezer ready to pop in the oven anytime a child wants one. But <laughs> in a quite dismissive way. <laughs> anytime a child wants one. <laughs> <laughs> My children are 31 and 28 now, and they still sit on the sofa and go, have we got any cookie dough in the freezer? So I'm only being disparaging of my children. Okay, I'll let you off. Who, frankly, I don't think a cookie goes particularly well with a large gin and tonic, but there you go, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my recipe now, the one that I use, um, and mine, does, mine uses more baking powder than baking soda, actually. So I don't really know what the baking soda's in there for either. The only thing that is definitely acidic is salt is acidic, isn't it, slightly? But there, there wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know what's activating it. Who knows? But yeah, as you said, they seem to be fine. So maybe maybe it's just a, a more of a subtle difference. Maybe it is. This is something we can discuss later on and maybe we can contact Melody and try and give her a slightly more scientific answer. But thank you, Melody, for bringing this up. This Salt, Melody. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we move on to our showstopper, and this week it was the Tres Leche cake, which is uh, traditionally a cake, I believe, cooked more in a like a big tray bake tin, poked full of holes, and then drizzled over, well, soaked, I should say, with double cream, condensed milk, and evaporated milk, the three milks, hence Tres Leche. Straight away, this doesn't seem like a particularly structurally sound challenge, so this did make me a little nervous. Jane, what about you? Hmm. No, I mean, I think 
for anybody who has tried soaking sponges in anything, I'm, I'm thinking tiramisu, your sponge instantly sort of goes soft and loses integrity. I mean, I know we're soaking it quite heavily in a tiramisu and we're using lady fingers. I, I'm not sure I like this challenge. I, I've never had a tres leche. Paul has because he's just been to Mexico and he really likes it. Did he tell you he just went to Mexico? <laughs> he loves it. It's his favourite thing, apparently. But when I've Googled it, it's always a single layer cake. Very occasionally a picture will pop up where it's it looks like it's a Victoria sponge somehow. That two-layer cake. Four layers, I would have thought it's really, really hard not to have your structure go wonky. And I... Again, I think it's one of those challenges that I think they were almost set up to have a wonky cake. I just thought it all sounded too sweet for me. I mean, condensed milk is very sweet. I mean, evaporated milk is quite sweet. And then, of course, the, the double cream is lovely. That's the only thing that I would have thought would have mellowed it. And then you add some flavours into it. I just think it all sounded horribly sweet. When you were- <laughs> Well, when you're coating it, then all I'm not knocking the basic cake, but then you're coating it all in bright colour icing, and there's so much of it as part of the challenge because it had to be colourful and this and that and the other. Oh, it made me feel all a bit queasy, to be honest. I'd quite fancy trying the basic single layer cake and uh, soaked in a flavoured milk. At one point, they called it a syrup along the line. I don't think it. Can you can't call it a syrup? No extra sugar was added, I hope. But it all looked a bit sickly to me. It almost looked like I've come across this cake that's Mexican. It's not really suitable for a showstopper, so let's change it so it has to be a showstopper. It was it was almost like making a cake fit a brief rather than finding something that was more appropriate. I, I thought they all did a pretty good job, really. And, and I loved some of the ingenuity and some of them look really pretty, but I don't think I would have wanted to eat any of them. They all look so sweet. I would tend to agree with you. The only one that I actually thought instantly spoke to me um, was Maxie's because she did it with um, strawberry and cream uh, with a bit of cinnamon. And I just thought she, she, all of the flavours that she'd chosen to complement it had kind of tempered that, you know, it, the strawberries, I mean, they're kind of sweet, but not really. And then you got obviously all that cream and a little bit of cinnamon. So I thought everything that she was adding was kind of toning down that sweetness. And I thought that was really smart. Um, I think you're absolutely right, Jane. They probably picked a cake that's, like you say, probably always a single layer cake, and they made it into a towering showstopper. And I, again, the cynic in me is rearing its ugly head. Do you think that maybe the production team were kind of hoping for some of them to sort of fall over? (laughs) I think there was some dowling, some boarding and dowling going on, which was obviously, in my opinion, definitely the right thing to do because all that moisture is going to make that cake super soft. You're not going to want to stack it all directly. But yeah, I wondered if they were sort of hoping for one of the repeats of sort of the spectacular cakes falling over scenes that we've seen in other series. Um, It all seemed a little bit mean, didn't it? I think you're right, Dana. I think um, where bakers had been more successful i think it was like like dawn for instance just keeping it a bit simple and playing to her strengths i think there was a temptation among some of the bakers to try and do more than one tier and then when you start to stack up these softening cakes i think you are running a risk there aren't you 
Dawn in particular um, got, as you've mentioned, Howard, got the levels right. She stacked that cake really nicely and it was still very soft. Maybe this is a skill she's particularly good at. In uh, in week one, her Genoese sponge, she stacked really well into a house cake. So, yeah, maybe that's something she's particularly good at. We had a lot of different flavours here. And, Howard, speaking of what you said of all the different flavours, I think James's cake was definitely a little bit too much. Chocolate, chilli, lime, dolce de leche, a Frasier cake, a chocolate collar, chocolate cookies. Jane, you must be quivering at the thought of another chocolate collar. Oh, well, I can make them at home, actually. The tent is a nightmare trying to get it done in the time. But I've just got fr- in my notes, Frasier, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> you know, you've got f- four layers of sponge. Why stick a Frasier, which in itself would be a challenge to do in the time and get it to set? And cookies. I, the danger is always when you get these briefs for these challenge to think that everybody's going to throw the kitchen sink at it so you've got to as well otherwise you won't stand a chance and mm. say or if anybody out there is thinking of applying to obviously tick all the boxes of the brief four layers of sponge make sure you can do it in the time keep it simple and do it really well um you don't need to add a completely different dessert to it and i think james just tripped himself up i mean oh gosh some of them added so many flavors in there as well i just i I don't know what to say really i think maybe the brief said it had to be colorful and you had to make it really exciting and and he just did too much didn't he yeah i felt sorry for james but he tripped himself up i mean he didn't do himself any flavors he didn't do (laughs) many flavors he did many flavors (laughs) Too many flavours. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think you're right. I think James was so keen to show off his skill and sort of say, you know, he hadn't had the best journey. And I think he was just keen to show off, you know, I'm a good baker. Look at all these things I can do. I want to show you my skills. But he just put in so much. He just tripped himself over completely. And I think it's a mistake that people make year after year after year, just trying to take on too much. And it's almost like not everyone listens to this podcast. We do say the same thing, don't we, Jane? We always say, like, just do something you can execute in the time comfortably and looks impressive and you can keep it clean. That really is the answer. And you, as Jane said, you always think that everyone's going to throw the kitchen sink at it. But it's usually only you who's doing it. So you need to you need to calm it down and temper it a bit. That's what you one last year did so well last year he kept it simple and he executed beautifully it's a nice decoration um if anybody needs a, a handbook on how to tackle bake-off go and watch chicks from last year because i thought he was fantastic he got through those challenges and in such an intelligent way last year um and i think that's where james fell down he just he, he he just tried to impress, and instead he just fell flat on his face, straight into his phrasier, probably. Oh. That's him. I, I really mm. like James, and I felt so sorry mm. for him. But... I love his matching headband. Mm. Oh, it was beautifully my... coordinated this week, yeah. Wasn't it? Wow. I, I, do you know what? I'm just going to be watching Bake Off next week thinking, 
what headband would James have worn this week? Yeah. That's all I'll be able to think about. So I'm, I actually, I really liked James, and I'm, I didn't have him pegged as an early out. No. Yeah, I thought he would make it quite far. Mm. I did just want to have a talk about Carol quickly. Um, Carol, I thought, despite her rather spectacular meltdown in the middle of making this cake, I thought that she did a rather good job. I thought it was executed really well in the end, but I did love a little bit of self-awareness from Noel when he came to visit her. And he said, I feel like my presence is making this much, much worse. <laughs> and <I> just, <laughs> it's good to be self-aware, isn't it? Because that's exactly how it is. Uh, Noel came to visit me once when everything was going wrong for me. And he's making a nice little joke and he has the decency to do it quickly and get out of the way and then let you get, get back on with what you have to do. But yeah, it's just, you are really like, yeah, I'm really trying to fix something right now. Please, please just leave. I want to just talk about Kevin and Paul again. Gosh, this is my, uh, sorry, Paul, if you're listening, which I'm pretty sure you're not. Let him have it. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul's been to Mexico recently. You may have missed that. Has he? And Kevin, I thought, was making a nice pyramid. Oh, yeah. I've been to Mexico and I went to Chichen Itza. I recommend it. It's it's very interesting. Get a guide. It's fantastic. So he had built this pyramid, which I thought was interesting. Um, and he said, <laughs> he said, it's Aztec. And Paul went, oh, I think it's, I, I do mean Mayan, Mayan. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. did you need to do that again? You know, why does he have to be so smug about it all? It just irritated me, this show. He was just... He's Paul Hollywood. He was, yeah, he, he is. super smug this week because he's just been to Mexico and he knows everything there is to know, I suppose. Mexico, you say? Me- yeah, I think so. I think he's been to Mexico recently. <laughs> I'll stop now. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about Janusz, who went away from the chocolate coffee chili theme we had going through the showstopper. Oh, what was with all the chili? <laughs> oh, no. Why does everything have bloody chili in it? And <laughs> sorry, you launched me off on a rant with one word there, Sarah. Um, <laughs> I hate chili in chocolate. I just think, like, chili generally, like, okay, okay, yes, I'm the whitest man in the world, I know. But, like, a little hint of heat is nice. But, like, when you take it over a limit, it's just unpleasant. And why are we putting it in chocolate? Why? Why? Why, Jane? Why? <laughs> well, some people might like that flavour. I'm not a particular fan of putting chocolate. But why did everybody think Mexican flavours, I've got to stick chilli in it? I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, there was really no need. You know, dulce de leche or whatever. Not chilli in everything. I just... Well, Janusz definitely came away from that, going for the fruits of Mexico. He we had Fruity. dragon fruit, passion fruit, guava, mango, and he seemed to do rather well. A slightly dry sponge, maybe, but overall, really good flavours and a really good cartoony type, but very, very attractive cake. Howard, what did you think of Janusz's fruit cake? I liked it. I really, really did. I thought it was. I thought it was very impressive the way that he'd taken the kind of seeds of the dragon fruit and then recreated that around the sides of the cake with the little black dots, bright bits of colour. I, I think overall, I must admit, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't see more kind of Mexican style decoration, more people kind of 
looking at Mexican art and things like that. I thought a lot of people played to mm. their strengths and created things um, which they knew that they could do and which, which worked. But yeah, Janusz, I thought just got it got it right for me. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And if you think of, I mean, I'm not saying pinatas are quintessentially Mexican, but you know, there's sort of bright pinks and purples and yellows. And we didn't see that. And But when, as soon as we saw that bright pink in Janusz's cake, I was like, yes. I'm loving that. You've got the drip and it's emulating the dragon fruit, as you say. I thought it was really interesting and different in a, in a fun, jazzy way. You know, I liked the chocolate temple, but it was all just like, I'm a chocolate cake shaped like a temple. Whereas Yanish's took me on an adventure, took me away from the cake to something new. And I enjoyed that a lot. I think Sandra really missed a trick. If he'd have turned his moustache into a monobrow, it could have been a Frida Kahlo yeah, cake. Missed a trick there. Missed a trick. That, that Sabira thought the faces of the judges when they tasted Sabira's cake. I thought, oh yeah, let's talk about that. I thought Prue was going to choke. I thought she was going to spit it out. Actually, they looked awful, didn't they? The idea of putting big lumps of sweet corn into a cake batter. Well, I don't know what she was thinking, to be perfectly honest, because she's normally no. great, isn't she, with all these flavours? And I, I think. She and many of the others with their chili. She's just taken her sweet corn. Sweet corn is Mexican, so I'm going to have sweet <laughs> corn in everything. Thank goodness she didn't put chili in as well. And I want everybody to know that it's got sweet corn in it. I think she really um, made her a real blunder this week. I, I think that looked awful. It looked pretty on the outside. Yes. It was an odd choice. I think it's probably the most unusual thing thing we've seen in the cake since Flo chucked in a bottle of mulled wine and some blue cheese. Um, (laughs) Flo, I'm sorry if you're listening, but that Rockfort icing, it was not to be repeated. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) A curious choice. Um, But yeah, I just thought it was weird. And yeah, I'm not surprised that they didn't like it because... I remember when she said she was going to put corn in it, and I just, my instant reaction was just like, wow, that sounds really unpleasant. Um, and, uh, yeah, the judges obviously didn't like it. And um, as Paul said, using my best pan-Northern English accent, it's not for me. Um, I don't yeah. know where that's from. <laughs> was, that, was that authentic, Howard? How was that? <laughs> I don't think it was sort of that. I don't think it's Paul's area of the North. It was, as you say, a little oh. bit Northern. <laughs> I just—I know we're, we're beginning to push for time, but I really liked Dawn's. I thought Dawn did a great job, and they described it simple and effective, elegant heaven from Prue. And Paul even said mm. that's really good. And I must admit, when she was making it, she, so she did it with German buttercream, which is less sweet than any other buttercream, which I love, and. She put a feuilletine layer in. Now, I wondered whether they might find that too crunchy in the middle of a very, very soft cake, but they seem to like it. So I think we ought to go rah, rah, rah for Dawn, because she seemed to crack it, frankly. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I thought, like, Paul was giving her the heart eyes in judging, and I thought he was going to call her over for a handshake. I think he was about it. I agree. I thought he was, yeah. From the body language, I thought it was coming, and I was actually surprised when it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But Because they really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, perfect is not a word. I think we've all had them. mixed messages from Paul, though, from time to time. Well, we've all had mixed messages in the tent. <laughs> when we were in the tent, Noel told me that he thought he would probably fall in love with me, and he's never called me. 
<laughs> he says that to all the girls. <laughs> With every week, we get to award a star baker. And this week, for the second time, alternating with Janusz, it was Maxi, her second star baker. The judges really enjoyed her Bella Naranja conchas. She came first in the technical and a really rich and light, well-balanced chocolate cinnamon strawberry tres leche cake. So... A well-deserved star baker for Maxie? Uh, yeah, I thought Maxie uh, did deserve, deserve it. I think um, it was tricky. It's always tricky, isn't it, knowing how it's going to fall. I don't think it was particularly the most kind of standout showstopper. But I think, as Dan said, I think she got the flavours right and she handled those ingredients really, really well, created something that was visually interesting so yeah i thought it could have been dawn actually but i i couldn't really pick a standout winner this week but maxi did a nice job and i have no complaints about her being given a um, star baker it's very difficult because you you see what they want to show you and you haven't tasted anything so i just assume that all of hers were just that notch above everybody else's i thought dawn was seriously in the running but then when you look back at the feedback she got for her signature, it was pretty bad. Right. She was middle of the pack for the technical, but the signature was not great. But I thought her showstopper was wonderful. And I d- it's, they never tell you officially how they're weighting these challenges. We do get the impression that the showstopper is worth a little bit more. They never really spell it out for us. But, yeah, the signature was not great for her. Right. So maybe not too surprising. Okay, fair enough. Um, it, it, in terms of um, who's one star baker now, Correct me if I'm wrong, it is now two for Janusz and two for Maxi. Mm. So I think it's fair to say that they are the um, Giuseppe and Jürgen of the season. So who's crashing out in week nine? <laughs> Howard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't, do, you think that, do you think one of them will? I, no, I'm just, no. <laughs> no, I'm just talking. No, no, no. no. I think they're, um, you know, basically building their path to the final, aren't they? Or they certainly seem oh, to be at the moment. Oh, if you think of Nancy, she got Starbaker at the beginning, but then, um, the, you know, other people were zooming up to the yeah, top. Yeah, true. No, at Richard the end, did, didn't, yeah. look at Nadia. Nadia, I thought, was going out biscuit week mm. or something. And then she comes through and wins. So I think it's still, I'm still, I'm still putting my hopes on Sandro, frankly. You just like him because he's handsome, don't you? I like him because he's Dan, don't pretend that's why you don't like him as well. I don't, I don't like Sandro because he looks like my brother. So just every time I see him, the hairs in the back of my neck go up. Um, but yeah, I, do you know who I really like, actually? Who I thought was a little cutie was James. And I think yeah. I'm, that's why I'm so sad that he's going. He was such a little sweetheart. He was, yes. So, yeah, that leads us perfectly on to who we had to say goodbye to. And with no elimination last week, it was very, very possible. And, of course, the inevitable people going home this week. We had two people, James and Rebs. Rebs possibly not had the best time in the Bake Off tent. She has struggled. And James, a little bit of a shock. Howard, are we sad to be saying goodbye to James and Rebs? Definitely, definitely. I, I don't know Rebs. I don't know James either. don't know either. I'm so sad to be uh, saying goodbye to James. And I, I must admit, we don't know what the circumstances for Rebs and uh, Abdul being, being away last week were. 
And if she'd been ill last week and then hadn't had chance to practice for this week, I think that's that's always going to put you at a disadvantage, isn't it? Don't think she necessarily helped herself in some of the things that she said, but as Dan said, it could be partly in the editing. It did feel a little bit, she said at one point, that it's all about the branding and marketing. And I think she was trying to make that show of Stopper sound Mexican when it, it really didn't sound very Mexican. It was sort of a bit Italian with some chilli in it, wasn't it? I like Jay. He was pretty, which is a terrible reason to want the Bakers still in the competition, but it's the honest one. <laughs> I thought he was, I mean, he went too far this time, but I thought he was quite creative and I loved yeah. his pandas were just, it was, he did do the pandas, didn't he? Just adorable. The I, bread. Oh no, they did do panda bread, didn't they? They were pandas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Rebs has been teetering on the edge, you know, I know she wasn't there last week, but I think she's been teetering on the edge. I think she could have gone before, to be honest. And, and I don't dislike any of them. It's like Howard, I don't know any of them. But I was surprised with James. I thought Carol was going to go this week. She came 10th in the technical, you know, her, her, bun, her whatever they were, her pandance were so uneven, as big ones and small ones. And I frankly, I didn't think they looked very appealing. So I was really surprised Carol didn't go. I thought Carol really, for the last couple of weeks, looks as if she's suffering from the tent. You know, when, when you are doing things and you just don't know why stuff is not turning out like it, it mm-hmm. should be turning out. And I really, really felt for Carol that, you know, we've been there where you think, Oh my goodness, what is it that's happening here? But I think Carol has actually turned out some reasonably good things in the end. And I think what kind of throws it is I feel every time the camera points towards Carol, she kind of has that appearance of like, you know, like when someone's standing in their flooded kitchen on a news report, just like wondering how their life went wrong. <laughs> it's just very much like, it's like it's that kind of vibe. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. It just looks like disasters all around me. I don't know how I could go on, but then somehow pulls off a decent cake in the end. She's not selling her own abilities. No. Actually, I think she's doing fine, but she needs a little bit more confidence in herself. And it's a bit late now. They've already filmed the whole thing, of course, but she needs a little bit more confidence in herself because I think she's better than she's letting us believe. Oh, well, I thought her showstopper was great. She'd got lime and orange buttercream. She'd got hazelnut ganache. She'd got chili and whatever spikes there uh, it, it wasn't really soaked terribly well and the chili was too strong the flavors were too much i'm not sure that her, she did have a good showstopper actually well thank you so much everybody for joining us for mexican week thank you dan howard and jane and thank you all our lovely listeners we hope to see you very soon at one of our delightful classes we have some brand new classes coming up we have some back by popular demand classes and i'm going to mention the c word we are doing our Christmas classes. We've got some Christmas classes up and ready to go. So we hope to see you all at a class very soon. Don't forget to use the code podcast for 10% off your next class. So head to bakewithalegend.com to browse through all our classes. Dan, Jane and Howard, thank you so much and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. heard a stripped media production.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.